What is up, everybody? This is Alex, and you are listening to the American Toffee Podcast, serving up the latest Everton news with stateside views. I'm here with my friend James today. Hey, everybody. Alex, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I really appreciate you uh, joining me. So today we want to talk about um, Everton versus West Ham, kind of a post-match review. We're going to go into uh, some general news, talking about the international break, um, and then kind of give some updates on the new signings, specifically the new signings from Barcelona. Um, we're going to go into the post-match review, who's, who played, um, tactics, kind of some stats, observations on all the players and how they performed, and then we'll preview the next match. So um, as far as the new signings are concerned, um, Bernard is fit finally, um, and he actually played for about 46, 47 minutes today. Um, Looked good, I thought. Yeah, he did. I thought so too. Um, So Mina started training this week. I want to say it was Thursday. Do you remember off the top of your head? I think Thursday sounds right. That was his first first time training with the first team, which is kind of crazy. It's been almost a month since the deadline, uh, since deadline day. So it's good to have him finally, you know, inching towards his first team uh, breakthrough, hopefully very soon. Right. So that's exciting. Um, but Andre Gomez is still out and I know that's probably to be expected. I think he had an issue, um, again, after he somewhat got fit, I guess. Yeah. A bit of a setback. I, I, I saw that as well. Um, unfortunate, uh, hopefully he just, we, when he comes back, he's hundred percent. And, uh, I'm actually really excited to see Gomez, especially, you know, looking after or, after our midfield performance today, uh, I think he can be a vital piece for us. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, he he serves or he kind of fits a role that we really don't have addressed in the squad. Um, Tom Davies tries to, but he's not quite there yet. So I am also very excited to see how that plays out. So as far as international break is concerned, um, I know Coleman went out with the Irish national team and as luck would have it, he got injured, but hopefully I think I want to say, I saw a report that it's only going to be maybe a week or two, according to Marco Silva in his press conference. Um, yeah, I saw that as well. I mean, big surprise. Coleman goes off to international duty. It's just an Everton Ireland curse, I guess. Absolutely. Players is. can't play for Ireland without coming back injured. Namely, obviously McCarthy and Coleman and, uh, yep. Martin O'Neill just loves to uh, bring those players back when they're just <laughs> on the cusp of being fit. Finally, it's like, especially McCarthy uh, and, and actually McCarthy on the note of players returning to training is back training with the first team, which yes, good point. I think he, despite him being, you know, made of glass, uh, I think if fit, he really could also bring something, something different to our midfield. Uh, assuming he can get healthy and maintain form and fitness, which is something he hasn't done yet really in his Everton career. Uh, I really, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing our options in midfield continue to increase uh, as the season moves forward. Yeah, that's a really good point. James McCarthy is a big miss. Uh, he, a couple years ago, he was, you know, probably one of the best players on the team and he's you know, his performances from what I remember are usually pretty consistent as well. You know what you're going to get from him. He works hard. 
He can uh, he can uh, recover the ball, and he's better going forward than I would say our other defensive midfielders are currently. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, he 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 almost plays like an Adrisa Gay, but with a bet a better distribution. Uh, right, exactly. So That's hard, what I was going runs for. So hard, runs so hard uh, for the team. Unfortunately, it ends up obviously poorly for him but fingers crossed that that's all in the past and uh bright days ahead right so i heard uh richarlison had a pretty good um week or so on international duty as well yeah had two uh two goals for first two international goals for richarlison uh it's funny you just look on like twitter and everything and you see i saw some tweet that was trying to sum up they're showing tweets from like Sky Sports or one of the uh, British uh, networks. And it was like talking about how ridiculous the fee was back when we first signed him, 50 million for a Charleston. And then over the last month, they've sort of shifted to like, you know, he scored three, three and two games for us and uh, also netted twice for Brazil. So looking like he's well on his way to justifying his price tag. I know it's still again, early days, but I think he looks the real deal. And I think today, and since he's been out, we've really missed him. Uh, and so I'm excited for the Arsenal game just because Richarlison is coming back. Other than that, I'm a little nervous <laughs> about the, the whole affair, but uh, that's we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it is it is funny. The media really do tend to have a bias against Everton whenever – whenever possible to kind of plug that narrative. Um, which is funny that we even feel it in the States because I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it seems at least um, from our Reddit friends uh, that it's even worse over in England. But um, Richarlison is an interesting player because of the fact that he's built in a sense that he could play center forward almost he's pretty tall he's strong he's got good finishing but he's also got the pace and the technical ability of a very high class winger and so it's it's really no lie that this dude can do it all and i'm really excited to see you know how he progresses um at everton specifically this season um but over the next couple years as well and it's also refreshing to see someone of his like quality come in and just talk nonstop about how much of an honor it is to play at, you know, for Everton and, and be a part of the club and stuff. Um, because I feel like a lot of times these days you, you miss that um, sincerity and respect for, you know, the club you're playing for. I totally agree. Uh, I mean, a lot of players will treat Everton like a stepping stone, which in all fairness, we we are more or less for team players that want to go to play Champions League soccer. Uh, but that being said, we're still, and even as American fans, it's hard to appreciate that history because it's, it's relatively distant. But still, Everton, relative to England and world, the history of worldwide soccer, are a massive team. Uh, and right. it's good to see Richarlison. And Richarlison two years ago was playing, you know, youth or three years ago, I think even was playing youth soccer in Brazil and his rise has sort of been meteoric uh, in that he was 
picked to the first team in was it Fluminese? Was that that was his team in Brazil, I believe. Right. And then picked up by Watford for seven odd million, maybe eleven. I don't remember the exact fee. And then a year later, just on to us for this massive fee. So it's I mean, the criticism of his fee is warranted, but then in the entire with the with transfer fees the way they are in the market, it's I I mean he we could sell him for a hundred million in, in two years. Obviously that's far away. That's that's assuming things go fantastically, uh, which is I'm still optimistic despite the unfortunate result today. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's special and I think he makes us a much, much better team. Right. I think I think we could probably go on the entire episode and talk about Richarlison, but uh, <laughs> seeing maybe as how not. he didn't even feature today, maybe we should get back on topic. Yeah. But yes, I mean, yeah. it's a little bit of a tangent there, but no, I mean, I appreciate it. It's it's going to be really exciting to see him back finally next week because we sorely miss him. Um, yeah, and then as far as international break is concerned, um, last piece off the top of my head, unless James has any more, um, Calvert-Lewin came off after, I think, it was like nine minutes um, yeah. when he was playing for the England U21 team um, because of a knock, but luckily it seemed precautionary because he started today. And he was, you know, fit. And I think he trained with the team once he came back too. So that was good to see because that would have been pretty bad as well, seeing as how at that point in time, we didn't know if Bernard was fully fit either. Right. I mean, we would have been... Midweek, I was very, very nervous that we were going to be very thin uh, up front for this game. But luckily, those players came good and and were fit and we could play Lewin, uh, Calvert-Lewin. Right. And Bernard as well. Um, also, just one last thing on the international break. Anthony Robinson, uh, I believe, played twice for the United States. And uh, he's obviously a U23 player out on loan. So he looks like he could be the future of the U.S. Uh, national team at left back. So That is true. Actually, um, I have really, really high hope, hopes for him um, in terms of in terms of playing for the United States. And I'm hoping over the next season season or two he can force his way into the first team as uh, Lucas Dinez, um backup. But you know the only issue with that is the fact that Lucas Dinier is uh, is only what 25. So 25. right. So you know, obviously we'll worry about that if it comes down to it, right? <laughs> exactly. But he, he did have a good showing for the United States. I, I, I definitely agree. So, anyway, moving on to the match. Starting 11 against West Ham at home, Goodison Park. Uh, it was the normal 4-3-3 that we're used to. Uh, Jordan Pickford started in goal. Uh, Kenny, Holgate, Zuma, and Dinier were at the back, which, um, correct me if I'm wrong, was pretty much um, understood assuming you know you were privy to all the news throughout the week uh our midfield yeah, three was Ghana yeah right so our midfield three was Ghana Schneiderlin and Sigurdsson which was actually for me a surprise specifically Schneiderlin really you didn't expect him to play just because of fitness or well so his um his father passed away this week according yeah. to Marco Silva and um I'm not sure everyone caught that bit. 
Um, I think I think it was reported in his match day program or his match day press conference or something. Um, I saw it on Twitter, and then they mentioned it, or the uh, commentators on my stream mentioned it. Um, and so I was surprised to see him play because something like that, you know, obviously will very much mess you up mentally. But at the same time, you assume that, um, you know, Morgan would say something to Marco Silva if he didn't feel comfortable playing. No question. I totally agree with that. Uh, I, I guess in that way, I did see that before the match um, and was slightly surprised. Um, and I think that may have been, I mean, he didn't look great today. It might be getting a little bit ahead, but I'm sure that he's not, uh, I'm sure he needs some time to grieve uh, right. appropriately. I mean, that's a big ask for, for any person to, to play a sport when, when real life in that way happens. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, Honestly, I'm 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 surprised he hasn't, you know, jetted out to France and and been with family, but anyway, the front 3 um as Richarlison was serving his third of his three match ban today, um Calvert-Lewin started on the left-hand side and rightfully so in my opinion because he scored a couple goals in the last couple weeks. Um Jenk Tosin started up top and then Theo Walcott started on the right. So I think overall pretty pretty much uh an expected lineup. What what do you think? Yeah, no it's the way we've come out. Uh Silva has shown that he's not going to do anything too drastic in the league as far as making a ton of system changes, lineup changes at once. He seems to right. want to ease players in. Uh which I think is smart, no question. I think Again, the, the lineup was more or less what we expected. Maybe you, I, I kind of thought Lookman might start out wide instead of Calvert-Lewin, but I, since Calvert-Lewin's in great form, it makes sense. I just personally don't like him out wide. I don't think he has the skill set to really be dynamic out wide. I think he's a more direct player. He wants to hold the ball up. He's good in the air, good at those sorts of things, dribbling and making those type of quick runs. I don't really see that as his game. But he does have the pace, and I think obviously he Silva sees something in him, and I think he's going to be a good player for us. But I would have liked to see more uh, a dynamic element to our winger choices. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, as you said, Calvert Lewin's strong. I he or tall. He's definitely bulked up this season. I, I can kind of see it um, visually. Uh, and as you said, he's really quick too. I wouldn't. I, I think he's honestly one of the quicker players in the squad. But you know, just essentially sounding off what you said, his dribbling's not the best. He's not gonna. You know, he's not gonna be um, trying to beat. You know, beat people off the mark and and cross the ball in and that sort of thing. The only positive to try to be you know optimistic here. The only positive him playing on the left is that he can cut in and use his right. Not that we've seen that at all. Um, but you know, anyway, without getting, getting too far into it. So tactics, um, are pretty much, pretty much standard with what we've seen every match under Marco Silva. So the two fullbacks, um, Lucas Digne and John Joe Kenny push really high up the pitch. Um, and then the holding midfielder, in the first half, which was, you know, Schneiderlin will drop back into like, you know, kind of like a back three almost. 
and you know your two center backs spread out pretty wide also um and so as your as your full backs are pushing forward you see your two wingers pinch in and then you also see your attacking midfielder which has been um Sigurdsson push higher up also and so you get a really condensed area pressing the back line and that serves well for you know a lot of these short quick one touch passes and and stuff like that and that also helps to you know um bring out the best and utilize the pace that we do have now up front on the wings specifically um and then you know you pair that with a a press all the way from midfield forward which which in my opinion seems to be going much better than it was a couple weeks ago players look to be on the same page now as far as pressing you know the defense is concerned when we're out of possession, which is nice. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought the tactics, the system itself looked more, um, organized. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought we came out right at the beginning and looked like we wanted to just run them off the ground. You know, we were getting shots in, they were pressing hard, Uh, That went on for like the first 10 minutes or so. And then I think West Ham kind of settled in. Uh, Goodison might have taken a seat uh, briefly and they kind of started to come into the game. Uh, As far as the high line, um, there were times when Zuma was out, you know, out wide left, like in the same position as Dean would was or would be and Dean pushed up the, up the field. And I think if we're going to play like that, then we need to be ready uh, for the screw-ups and getting back because obviously we were caught out several times on the counterattack today. Yep. It wasn't pretty. Um, So that high line works great when you're pressing and getting the ball back, but then when West Ham were able to string two or three passes together, all of a sudden we have Holgate and Zuma sprinting back and you know Dean and Kenny are at midfield and they're in on goal. Uh, so the high line works. I don't think we'll be able to do it against Arsenal. I think the don't, I mean, we, we want to control the game, especially at home against West Ham. We come out, we try to, and we looked dominant for 10 minutes and then West Ham got that counterattack goal and it was like, everything just kind of fell apart. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I felt really good about it. Um, you know, I, I felt really optimistic. We looked pretty good. You know, players were making good runs. It seemed like the link up play was pretty good. We were recycling the ball. Well, um, you know, obviously the fullbacks were really involved, but as you said, um, you know, when the fullbacks press forward, your, your center backs split pretty far apart. And then Schneiderlin or whoever the, uh, holding defensive midfielder is, is supposed to kind of settle in between them. Um, and that's okay, and it's preferred for possession. But right when you turn the ball over, specifically if, if Ghana turns it over with a really poor short pass, for example, um, then, you know, as you said, three passes and they're in on goal. And the funny thing is, Mason Holgate is very quick for a center back, um, like really quick for a center back. 
and yet he got torched by Arnautovic time and time again today, um, which was which was uh, pretty bad to see. I guess while we're on the subject of possession, we had fifty six percent possession, um, but the caveat is the fact that we only had a seventy six percent pass accuracy, which. Um, in my opinion, I prefer to see 80 to 85. Um, that that kind of shows that we were definitely lacking because, um, you know, especially since m- the majority of our passes are short passes, there's not really any reason, um, you know, we should be sitting at 76% pass accuracy if we're talking strictly numbers. Um, that That right there just tells you something did not go according to plan. Yeah, I think you saw it over the course of the first half. Um, We went out to put the pressure on them early. They kind of bounced back, and then we kind of – we got our way back into the game. But at times we were looking to play long balls. Mason Holgate was looking for that long ball out to the wing all afternoon. Yep. Uh, Pretty – for the most part to no avail. Uh, There wasn't a ton out there. Uh, And so I think – we resorted to long balls a little too much. There was that one, of course, unfortunate incident where Pickford tried to play it out of the back Ugh. and laid off. Uh, but the less said about that, the better. <laughs> uh, it was, I think, against poor teams when we're able to press like that, um, it's going to be okay. But I think against better teams, I mean, West Ham were sitting on no points and they torched us on the counterattack. Yep for the most part, all afternoon. So to be fair, last season with Sam Allardyce, we were playing overly defensive, parked the bus, terrible, terrible uh, soccer to watch. And now at least we're going out and looking to get up and attack. And it's a totally new style of play for everyone on the team. Juxtaposed couldn't be more opposite of what we played last year. And so there's an adjustment period. And I think there's a learning curve we haven't we still don't have half of our new signings in so uh, early days but i think like you said the tactical approach overall is really positive and i think that's the most encouraging thing about this game was even though we had moments where we were poor and we slipped up and made mistakes uh we still the it was still better to watch we still created chances we still created shots uh and and that's how i think the tactical approach moving forward is very encouraging yeah, I mean, in total, we had 16 shots to their nine, um, both teams having four on target. So, um, you know, it would suggest that we obviously had some sort of positive play. Um, the thing is, with with the with this kind of tactical setup, specifically like possession-based, pushing our, our, our fullbacks up to the halfway line, um, it suggests that you have to be clinical when you do create the chances. You, obviously, you know, the idea is that you're creating more chances. You're playing attack-minded. But the issue is that, as we saw, it leaves us so um, vulnerable to a counterattack that, you know, you can, have, you can have 70% possession, but it doesn't help you at all if you can't finish your chances. And then it leaves you even more susceptible when you continue to play like that if you're not finishing your chances because you turn over the ball once, you know, they pass, you know, whoever, whoever intercepts the ball on the opposing team pass, you know, passes it once the next player passes it again and they're through on goal. So 
it's dangerous and you know it suggests that um we have to be much more clinical but that also comes with players gelling more you know not playing uh calvert lewin on the le- on left wing um jank and finding some form some type of form again um so I guess what I'd like to do is I'll go through from the back and kind of um, we can give our take on each person's performance. So starting with our fullbacks, John Joe Kenny and and Lucas Digne, I thought they both had really good games. Um, I thought that they were pretty good defensively, and I thought that they both um, offered some fantastic crosses into the box. Yeah, I was. I thought they were both excellent as well. I wasn't too impressed with Kenny in the first half. I thought he made some poor passes, uh, but he looks very sound defensively, and both him and Dean played some gorgeous, gorgeous crosses into the box. Uh, like you said earlier, the finishing just wasn't there today. We could have easily had you know, three or four from those balls. I think Dean put three, and the way he just hits them, and it just... You wouldn't, it just curls so beautifully. It's, it's outrageous. And it is, I mean, it's like, I don't want to, you know, Lane Baines is still a player for Everton, but I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen balls like that getting uh, kicked into the, to the ball uh, box from the left side. Um, and I think Kenny on the right, there was one towards the end of the game that he whipped around a defender. Uh, and the one obviously to Sigurdsson for the assist was great. Right. But, and, and that's goes back to our, fullbacks being able to push high and get those balls in because we want to pressure uh, the defenders like that. And when Dean can make moves on the, in the final third and get open and put balls in the, uh, in the box, we're that much, uh, we're that much better as a team. So yeah, I thought the, both the fullbacks were excellent. I think Coleman, if, if Kenny keeps this up, Coleman could have a hard time getting back in the side moving forward. Right. I mean, honestly, it was, um, it was surprising that, Coleman has started the season so poorly because if you look back to last season, once he came back, uh, he got match fit after, you know, his horrible incident with Ireland. He started off so quickly and he was probably one of the best players um, for, you know, the last whatever month and a half, two months of the season. And then, you know, he he starts the season off and he's been one of the worst um, so it's good to see that John Joe Kenny can come in. I think last, last season was positive in a sense that, um, you know, we, we have something to compare this season to. So I think the fans will have a little bit more patience ideally with, you know, getting the style implemented and the personnel adjusted as you were saying, but, um, it was also positive because we got a lot of the guys like Calvert Lewin and, and John Joe Kenny, and, and Mason Holgate some time on the pitch. Um, but just to revert back to Lucas Digne real quick, um, before we move on to our center backs, um, you know, I did mention that both of them were pretty good defensively. And I was seeing on Reddit um, a lot of people talking about how they thought Lucas Digne was terrible, his positioning was off, you know. Obviously, a lot of their attacking play was coming from uh, their right-hand side, which is our left um, through Yarmolenko, which is hilariously ironic. Um, but the thing is, again, 
um, referencing the tactics, Lucas Digne plays further forward, like way further forward. And if you pay attention, if you can find one of the um, heat maps or something, I forget, maybe it's one of the Opta accounts on Twitter. Um, you know, they'll put out like a heat map or average um, pos- uh, positions for players in a match. You'll see that generally speaking, our left-hand side, specifically the fullback, sits higher up than our right fullback does in possession on average. Um, so maybe, you know, Lucas Digne will sit uh, slightly past the halfway line and then John Joe Kenny will sit slightly behind it. Um, and obviously that that switches, but point is, Yarmolenko just did a really, really good job of exploiting that that space. Because um, what we saw was Arnautovic posted up on Mason Holgate on the right-hand side the entire match, right? The entire match. Obviously, he's not as strong as Kurt Zuma. He's not as tall as Kurt Zuma. Um, and so Kurt Zuma would be spread out to the left-hand side, as you mentioned earlier, James. And what occurred was, you know, Yarmolenko just had beautifully timed runs into that space. Lucas Digne is not, you know, uh, he's not in a, in a, in a motor-powered vehicle, so he's not going to be able to get back in time. Um, and, you know, that's what happened. So I just wanted to clarify when I say he was good defensively, he did what he was supposed to do. He was just a victim of a tactics and B exploitation of the tactics. Um, so moving on to the center backs, um, James, I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. What do you think? I thought that they were both pretty poor, to be honest. I thought Holgate, got bullied all afternoon. He was caught out of position. Uh, in his defensive duties, he was uh, on two of the goals. He was uh, guilty of very poor marking and let uh, let men get into the box behind him, make good runs. I mean, you still have to, their team still has to make the right pass, and they were good balls, but Holgate needs to do better. Uh, Zuma was slightly better. I thought he looked very good bringing the ball out of the back. He looked willing to push and carry the ball even as far, you know, halfway into the opponent's uh, side of the field at times. And we saw that in previous matches where he would make runs and he had that one shot, I believe, last match. Um, but it, I just think that the high line, we were playing so high uh, and we just got caught on the break so many times. And uh, on the first goal, I, it looked like Zuma and Holgate just kind of jogged back. Uh, couldn't be bothered at some point. There's only so much they can do. But yeah, I was. I thought that our outside backs played fantastically. I thought our center backs really were poor. Uh, it's still a new partnership, and we haven't really fielded a consistent pairing at center center back this yet this season. Right. And we still have Yuri Mina to come in, and I think. It can't come soon enough. I, I can't wait for him to be fit. I think we really need someone of his stature back there to shore up the back line because right now, uh, frankly, Holgate's shown spots, but he's not in every every match starter in the Premier League by a long shot yet. He's got a ways to go. Zuma has looked promising. I think this was his worst game yet, but he still uh, played okay. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said spot on. Zuma was okay. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about Kurt Zuma. Uh, the only way he could have done better is if he was quicker. 
Um, but he's all, he's also pretty quick for a center back. Um, and then Holgate, I thought was really bad. Like, I don't even think he was bad. I think he was really bad. Um, if you saw some of the replays or paid really close attention um, to their goals, Arnautovic, Arnautovic, excuse me, would would drop back a couple yards off the back line to receive the ball, and he would suck up um, Mason Holgate, <laughs> and then he'd kind of do a give and go with with whatever winger was near him, and he would just completely burn Mason Holgate off the mark, which is to be expected. Um, and you'd think that he learned the first time, but then he did it again. Um, now Arnautovic is a really, really good striker or I'm going to say forward player because he can play on the left-hand side. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really bad. And, and that's, it's disappointing because of the fact that they've looked good previously and actually, believe it or not, um, Everton before this game, I think could only have only conceded one goal from open play, maybe two. I think it was I was going to say that. I think it was one as well. I even do you remember? I can't remember which match it was, but yeah, I mean, we've looked for the most part this season. We've looked very good in open play defending. It's just the set pieces that have just derailed everything. But yeah, today it was. Not getting back, counterattack quick. Yarmolenko, just of course, it's Yarmolenko, <laughs> the player we were. It's just the most Everton thing to ever happen. It really is for a player that we were linked with who came to West Ham a few years later to playing objectively very poorly since they've started the season. And I even saw on Twitter before the game. A few people tweeted like Yarmolenko, you know he's going to score today. Yep, and it, it's like so expected, and yet when it happens, it's just it's just peak Everton. It, and there's no real way to describe it to the outside world, but like I knew in my heart going into that game that Yarmolenko was going to score. Right, I saw I saw a couple comments um, on Reddit as well. One person specifically said. It's going to start off zero to one West Ham and Yarmolenko is going to score the first goal. And like I, at first I was like yelling at my TV, you know, it was only like what, 10 minutes in 11 minutes in. Um, and I thought we started off really strong, but after that, it was just kind of like one of those like psycho laughs. Like, yeah, it's funny, (laughs) but like, I'm still really mad, but it's funny. Um, I mean, the nice thing about Everton, obviously the hope always kills, but at the yeah. same time, you know, it wouldn't be Everton without these types of things. So true. I mean, let's be honest, right? Like I would have rather him gotten all three goals just because of the fact that why not? I, I don't, I don't pass like, it right. just would have made it more funnier. Like, Right, he had yeah. He scores a hat trick. He probably won't score another goal all season. <laughs> right, but he had, scores a perfect hat trick against Everton. Right, I thought for Weston's first points of the season. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, he goes to Dortmund. He had a really bad season at Dortmund, and then he leaves in one year. So I'm thinking to myself all last year. I'm like, wow, we really dodged a bullet there. You know, he's super one footed. Um, obviously, he couldn't cut it at Dortmund. Like. You know, they're playing younger wingers, which I'm pretty familiar with being a United States fan with Christian Pulisic. 
over him. You know, he couldn't even get into the squad at some point, I think. And then he goes to West Ham and I'm like, ah, suckers, you know, we really, we really, uh, dodged the bullet there. And you have plenty of West Ham fans always talking about how, how they're such a bigger club and, and more successful and this, that, and the other, and this happens, but you know, it is what it is either way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he was good today. He just he he was just really smart with the timing of his runs and how he exploited that that um that space and I'm I'm partially upset just because of the fact that I think it's kind of early in the season to be found out so quickly in that in that sense um because you know you're going to have you're going to have wingers in the next couple of weeks watching highlights they're going to see wow you know I just need to wait I, you know, the, the team's going to turn over the ball and I need to make the run, you know, wait, count to two and then, and then start sprinting towards Kurt Zuma and I can make something happen. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I think hopefully we'll have it figured out. Um, as far as, you know, center backs are concerned, I'm really excited to see Yeri Mina as well. I mean, the dude's six foot five, like he's a monster, but furthermore is really, really inconvenient and sad well a the fact that michael Keane had to get hurt in the way that he did but b just the fact that he got hurt because i thought he started the season really well um honestly yeah i thought he was strong i still think michael Keane at best is probably our fourth choice center back but um i'm willing to be proven wrong if he can keep up his form if he can get back healthy really unfortunate injury to him um and yeah, Yarmolenko, fair play to him. The second goal was beauty. Uh, the curling strike. That's true. Um, credit is a good goal. The first one we just got caught out. Um, and yeah, so uh, maybe move on to the midfield. Um, if you want to talk about uh, Gay, Schneiderlin, Sigurdsson. Yeah, so Morgan Schneiderlin, he was subbed at the end of the first half. It was like the 42nd or 43rd minute in which Bernard came on. Um, now, here's what I'll say. I think that that was more tactical and precautionary than I do reactionary. Was he good? No. Was he bad? I don't think so. Um, I think that Ghana was was much more of a, a, a sore sight up to that point. And... Um, I thought I was I was actually really surprised to see Schneiderlin come off, but the way I see it, um, you know, we needed another attacking player at that point. We were already it was already two two nil. Um, furthermore, you know, obviously Schneiderlin was probably not in the best headspace, uh, seeing as how his father passed away this week. So, I personally am not going to read too much into that. Um, you know, it's. It's, uh, I think it was the right choice and it was, it was almost refreshing to see him make the change, you know, like two or three minutes before halftime. Um, just because of the fact that it's, it shows like he's Marco Silva being him, uh, he's flexible, um, in, in his tactics. And I liked how he deployed Bernard and I think that he was pretty good, um, going forward, but um, Ghana, he had an off game, really. He, I think he only had one or two tackles, maybe. And he had a lot of poor passes. Yeah. 
It was not good from Ghana. Um, I do think some of it is a product of he's kind of being asked to play a role that doesn't exactly suit him. I think he plays best when he's not trying to – he's not a link-up player really. And I think he was trying to play that role where Schneiderlin was sitting deeper uh, and then Gay was meant to be the link-up player and then Sigurdsson up top. And I just think he, he was putting passes all over the place. That's not his game. And I thought as a result that Sigurdsson looked pretty isolated and anonymous for most of the first half um, because Gay just we couldn't we couldn't transition from defense to offense. The midfield just wasn't fluid in that sense at moving the ball uh, in the middle of the park. And so we were forced to go to the wings, and then they kind of closed that down. So we it was a frustrating uh, day in the midfield. I again, yeah, Gay. Not his best work, but I think once Bernard came on for Schneiderlin, it really he sort of filled that role of the link up between the midfield and the attack, and I think we looked much more threatening. Uh, and Sigurdsson was able to get on the ball more as well. So I think even though we didn't score in the second half, I think with Bernard, he played some really clever passes and looked good dribbling, looked quick. Uh, he got two West Ham players. Um, carded within like five minutes span right. one of them was a cheeky little flop but uh it got the call so yeah that's the way i see it. i think gay had a poor game but really it was just he couldn't play the role that he was asked um it's not his that's not how you are successful with a juicy gay in the lineup in my opinion yeah i think you're spot on uh pretty much exactly how it played out in the midfield in terms of of tactics and like the roles each player was asked to perform and that kind of goes goes back to what we talked about earlier with with uh Gomez coming um because you know that that is Andre Gomez's game right like he is a fantastic passer of the ball um and I think that I mean he's he's just a, a very true box to box midfielder um and so that'll be exciting but that that's something that leaves me um with with kind of a big question mark around Ghana because, you know, Marcus Silva said when he first came to Everton that, you know, he's playing with a 4-3-3 and he essentially said he wants a holding midfielder, a box-to-box, and an attacking midfielder, which makes perfect sense to me. And then he mentioned specifically Schneiderlin is his holding midfielder, which everyone, you know, would suspect, right? Like Schneiderlin is a very natural holding midfielder. He's good at what he does. His positioning is very good. He can distribute the ball pretty well. Not as good as Gareth Barry, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but then you, you you question like, okay, if you're going to start a box-to-box midfielder, then what happens with Ghana? And then can you really um, can you really like justify dropping Ghana because he's been our best player since he came to Everton? And that's like, in my opinion, that's like non-negotiable. Um, he's almost always consistently one of the best players on the pitch. And so, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, so you, you, I just I feel conflicted in that sense. Um, but you're right. I mean, he, passing is not his strong sense. He's you know he's he's better than James McCarthy in terms of tackling and and cutting passing lanes but he's not as good in terms of distribution. 
and that's where he finds himself. He's not he's not sitting with Schneiderlin in a four two three one anymore, which we saw him you know thrive in. Yeah, I think it's you're right. It is difficult because he doesn't fit neatly into really any of the typical midfield roles in a four three three. He did play best when he was kind of a second deep lying midfielder um, and has a someone who's more of a distributor that he can play out of the back. Cause he, he does well when he's pressing and harassing uh, the opposition and not necessarily. And he missed, he took one shot and it was abysmal. <laughs> I mean, it was not even close. And then for the, actually for the first goal for the first and only goal, uh, he almost, it looked like he almost wanted to take a shot again. And then he, uh, he slid it wide, I think, to Kenny, who then put in the cross for six. Yeah, he made he made the right decision there. He definitely wanted to yeah. shoot. See, he's thank God. Yeah, he's not a shooter <laughs> by any means, and he's I mean, he's a little better at passing than he is shooting. But maybe uh, maybe Ghana could be our new uh, Tony Hibbert. Uh, yeah, <laughs> probably not though. But uh, nice yeah. Thought, yeah, I still think he's an important player for the side. It's just tough when we're thinking if you're looking at Gomez. Bernard potentially playing a midfield role rather than the wing, and then Schneiderlin. Uh, it it's problems it's problems for Silva, but I think it's good problems to have in the long run. I think our our midfield really is going for this season going to be different depending on who we put out. I don't think we can play three like you said those three well defined roles because we don't have midfielders that necessarily slot evenly into all those uh, roles. So I think like, like if Davies is in uh, instead of Schneiderlin, I think that gives us a different look in midfield. Um, so it's going to be different. Uh, hopefully we can pick our best 11 before we're three quarters of the way through the season and develop some chemistry with that core players, those core players. Um, and yeah, just today on uh, the midfield was okay for me. Sigurdsson was okay. Schneiderlin, okay. Bernard, bright spot when he came on. And Adrisa Gabe, below average. Yep, I agree. So moving on to the front, um, I thought Theo Walcott had a pretty good match. He had plenty of dribbles. He had some crosses into the box. Um, he, you know, his movement was pretty much um, what you'd expect and what you'd want from him. Um, I obviously he's not used to playing with John Joe Kenny as opposed to Seamus Coleman. So we saw a couple disconnects there, but overall um, I thought he definitely had the best performance out of any of the forward players. Yeah, I thought he was very good as well. Uh, I thought early on, it was clear that we were trying to go down the left uh, to kind of exploit, I think Zabaleta yep. um, and using Calvert-Lewin's and Dean's pace to exploit that matchup on the left-hand side. But as the game went on, and especially in the second half before he came off, I thought Walcott offered a few promising runs. He never really looked like he would score, or uh, but we did have a couple chances, a couple balls in, um, and did have one very neat touch early on in the first half where he kind of like flicked it and then went around the defender right. the opposite way. Um, I think he's an important player for us, especially because we're not as deep out on that right wing as we are at the left wing. And I thought he was good today. Yeah, he was. And speaking of which, how did Masu- Masuaku not have a red card for uh, his studs on the back of Theo Walcott's head? It's it's ludicrous, honestly, <laughs> that you look at, if you played the you know gif of 
Richarlison's red card and then played that that gif and said one of these is a red card, one of these is a yellow. It's mind-boggling. It's shocking. Even Phil Jagielka's red card, his studs come down and he like pushes Theo's head down. Yep. And I was shocked. I was yelling at my TV. I was furious. Uh, I don't know if it's it's it would have almost been. I don't think it was intentional, and so I think it might have been a tad harsh if it had been a red in that sense. Um, but just at face value, you look at it, and it's just appalling. Like he could have, you know, he could have been gushing blood. Luckily, it looked like he didn't do too much damage, uh, like scratches wise or anything. But not pretty. Right. And I thought it was a red. Yeah. Same. So that was that was pretty infuriating, and it it's just annoying sometimes because of the fact that. It feels, and you know, this is probably also like supporter bias, um, but you know, it feels a lot of times that we end up on uh, getting, you know, the wrong end of of decisions pretty frequently. But um, I do also stand by the thought process and the saying, which is, you create your own luck. Um, if you have to rely on luck to win a football match, then you didn't deserve to win it. So with that being said, um, you know, can't complain too much. It probably would have helped, but at the same time, you know, we should be beating West Ham at home any day of the week anyway. So No question. Anyway, Calvert-Lewin, uh, he was on the left-hand side. Obviously not a natural winger, but he has pace for days in that sense. Um, I thought he was okay. He held the ball up well. That's pretty much all I can give him. Yeah, I didn't have uh, too much on Calvert-Lewin. He was mediocre. He made some okay touches. He had some okay passes. He also had some bad stuff. I just don't. He's he's not going to do the job at winger for me. Uh, it's clear he's not that comfortable out there. He can't really dribble, so he's kind of just lost he looked like he was struggling a little bit but he did have a couple moments he did have a really good couple chances to score um hopefully he'll get some chances in the center over the course of the season but um yeah not not impressed with him on the wing overall yeah i agree um i'm i i i I like the fact that in the system you see the wingers pinch in quite a bit and so you get a lot of interplay between the front three or even the front four when you're including Sigurdsson at that attacking midfield role because he pushes up so high. But my biggest thing for him is just take more shots. And I know that, you know, that can almost come off as just a super ignorant statement. Like, I'm an Everton fan, like, just just shoot more. But for, for Calvert-Lewin specifically, it just feels like his first instinct is to always find someone else. You know, it, it reminds me of last season when it looked like nobody wanted the ball, right? Like, you you know, you, you'll see that obligatory uh, Ghana will pass it to someone and they'll knock it right back uh, as they have, you know, someone running up like a man on. And I think that, you know, a lot of times, a lot of goals just come down to, are you thinking quick enough and are, are you just going to take it? Are you just going to hit it first time when it comes in 
and see what happens. And so I want, I want to see him taking more shots, whether that's from the left-hand side cutting in on his right foot, or if that's, you know, when he's up top, that's, that's the only, you know, that's the only thing I can think off the top of my head to really kind of maximize his chances. And, and when I say chances, I mean, being out on the pitch, like his minutes, um, Overall, I thought Jenk Tosin had a pretty poor match. I 100% agree. I think he was arguably our worst player. Him and Holgate, I thought, were very poor. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that too. Jenk Tosin, uh, he got out-muscled like pretty much any challenge in which he had to attempt to hold the ball up. Um, and it didn't matter which center back he was posting up on. Uh, furthermore, he had poor decisions, you know, the poor shot as opposed to putting Theo in on goal. And on top of that, he didn't really offer any link up player, like an outlet, like he usually does. Um, I don't know what's going on, but that was definitely his worst match in blue. And, um, I'm not, I'm starting to feel pretty pessimistic, although I don't want to. And I generally speaking, don't like to go that route specifically as an Everton fan, because <laughs> although the hope kills, it's, it's also the only thing that gets you through. But, um, I guess to transition into looking at Arsenal away, I would be okay with, um, Calvert Lewin starting up top over Jenk Tosin next match, just to kind of shake things up, give us a little bit of pace. Um, but also to kind of show everyone and reiterate the fact that your spot's not safe if you can't produce a performance. Yeah, I think uh, Tosin, like you said, I think this was his worst performance in a in a blue shirt. Uh, didn't hold the ball. He didn't. He hasn't been scoring, and then but he's been doing a lot of other stuff well. And then today he just didn't score and also didn't do any of the things he normally does. So it was just across the board. Uh, pretty poor. And yeah, I agree. I'd like to see Calvert-Lewin get a go up top. I think he looks strong. He can hold the ball up. It's Arsenal away, so that's a tough game to be sort of thrown into. It is his natural position, so can't imagine it'd be too difficult. But yeah, I think Tosin, maybe he's clearly not very high on confidence right now. Anytime he takes a shot, it it goes straight at the keeper. I yep. uh, haven't really seen the finisher that we saw towards the second half of last season when he looked pretty clinical. To be fair, he hasn't had the greatest of chances, but in some way he has to take responsibility for that as well. So yeah, I would like to see Calvert-Lewin get a go up top um, next match. Yeah, I think it's also pretty fair to say that in Silva's system, you almost rely more on the wingers um, for output than you do the striker, which sounds counterintuitive, but the way it works, I mean, you're, you're looking at playing Jenk Tosin as like a center forward, like holding the ball up and laying it off. And so he has a couple of assists that way. Um, and so that also kind of puts him at a disadvantage, right? If you think back to last season, as you said, he was really clinical, but under that, under that, under Sam Allardyce's tactics, like, he was forced to kind of be like just an island up top and just hold the ball up and wait for support. And as such, you know, you're not you're not going to get a ton of chances. Now, I will say we focus on width and we swing in a ridiculous amount of crosses. Um, 
uh, it was over 20 crosses today. Actually, I want to, I want to quote, I want to say 23 crosses today. Um, and so that, that's positive for someone like Jenk Tosin. Um, but I think in open play, like on the ground, you know, through the middle, that sort of thing, he's not going to get a whole lot of looks because he's relied on to kind of lay it off and, and hold the ball up and that sort of thing. But it's important to note that this coming week is Marco Silva's first real test as Everton manager. Right. I mean, it's, we should have, this was supposed to be the opening cakewalk from which we would emerge with X amount of points, flying high, new manager. Um, obviously, it hasn't panned out that way. And now we're looking at, we really probably need to get a point from this game badly uh, to keep, to, to salvage some kind of momentum that's kind of been sapped from the side after the last two matches. Yeah, I agree. I know it. A point is is really important, even if it's just for, um, even if it's just for like confidence sake. But you're right. I'm. It's everyone was rejoicing because you know last season we had a horrific, horrific schedule to start the season, and it just felt relenting or unrelenting. Um, and. This season we get, you know, quote unquote, five easy matches to start the season off. A nice way to kind of dip our toes in, get comfortable, figure out our systems. And all we're left with are two red cards, which with with suspensions, um, a hairline fracture of the skull, um, you know, a laundry list. Right. New signings have setbacks. Uh, Seamus Coleman goes get injured on international break again. And when you say it out loud, it actually sounds worse than it did when I, you know, I was going for like kind of dramatic, but I started talking and now I feel worse about it, to be honest. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but that being said, I mean, we have to remember it's still very early in this project. We're still looking at, I think, what, nine of the players on the pitch today were on the, roster last season and the squad there's still a lot of progress to be made we know what we need to improve and at times we look very good um one thing i did want to bring up before uh about the last match west sam the just talk a little bit about lookman and the ass coming on okay uh what you thought about them so i think nias made some really poor decisions specifically with passes. Well, A, the passes were poor and B, he just waited too long to make the right decision. If that makes sense. Technically, you know, he might've made the right decisions a couple times trying to find Calvert-Lewin um, on a counterattack or like as he, as they're both running towards the defense with pace, but you know, he'd wait like three strides too long um, or it'd just be a super yeah. poor pass. It was really just upsetting to see him hit the crossbar, but that was very Mourinho-esque. Yeah, so perfect (laughs) for him. Um, I mean, I'm going to just start resorting to making fun of this match, if anything, because it's it's really all-encompassing. But as far as Lookman is concerned, um, he didn't really do a whole lot of anything. Uh, Now... 
I can't remember exactly what minute he came on, but he was the last substitute, was he not? Yeah, I want to say he came on uh, the 75th minute around then. Right. So most and he yeah. most of the time, when you have 15 minutes to work with it, you're not going to make a huge impact. Um, I don't know his. Not to read too much into it, but his, like his body language just looks completely different. One thing that annoyed me today was, you know, when he gets, you know, when I remember specifically, I think John Joe Kenny passed him the ball and he had a good bit of space. I'm like 10 yards, maybe, maybe a little yeah, more. I know what you're talking and about. And what he, what he did was he received the ball, he turned and then he like, it was like a light jog. And you're just wondering why, like, why are like, you know, I've seen clips of him when he, when he played with Leipzig at the second half of last season, obviously we've seen him play for Everton a couple times on the wing previously. Um, you know, he gets the ball and he just, he, he's his pace to it to his advantage. And I was just, I was just really confused as to what he was doing and why he wasn't really seemingly putting in a whole lot of effort. Yeah, I agree. I echo those sentiments. Uh, I thought Bernard was the bright spot as far as subs go. Lookman looks like he just doesn't care. That specific instance that you cited when he just sort of jogged, it was like, look, you're a winger. You have pace. Do you want to be here? I don't know. It seems like he just doesn't want to be here, which is unfortunate. I hope that we can work on getting, you know, if there's a necessary attitude adjustment, because I really do think he could be a good player for us, but he didn't show it today. And yeah, like you said, Nias, just the most perfect Nias performance. <laughs> he was clumsy. He was awkward, and yet he almost smashed one <laughs> into the back of the net right. uh, when we needed it most. Almost. Uh, so the magic wasn't quite there today. But yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, it's it's funny because when Nias comes on, I feel confident. And I don't know why. I mean, he, like by the numbers, he produces. Like he 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 gives you what you're looking for. Like he scores goals. But then you watch and you're like, how long will this charade last? Like, are can you score another goal with your butt or not? Like, are you just gonna fall into the net again, or you know, that sort of thing? Um, but. You know, it was worth it. It was the it was worth the shot. Um, I mean, I still like I love the guy. He works hard. He can't. I mean, he has one of the best attitudes of a professional athlete. I think you can you can find across any sport. Um, you know, coming from how he was treated initially um, to you know how he's done now. But going forward, uh, you know, ideally, Calvert Lewin would be the one coming off the bench, which, I mean, we saw already earlier in the season. He was just already being used elsewhere. Yeah, I think he has something to offer the side, but it's what he has to offer is those moments where he almost just accidentally does something brilliant while looking like it's just like he stumbles into anything that that goes right. Right. Uh, he looks like a baby deer on ice <laughs> half the time. That's so. That's actually a really, really good uh, description. Yeah, but couldn't do it today. Unfortunate, disappointing. Uh, Arsenal game lose looming, not losing yet. 
I think yeah. we uh, we have we've never won at the Emirates. It's not going to be easy. I expect. I'm not sure what you're expecting for a lineup, but I'm expecting fairly similar. I don't think we'll see Mina uh, for that match. Richarlison obviously back. You don't think we'll see Mina then? You you think he'll be fit for? I just think that that's kind of a baptism by fire to throw him in first game away at the Emirates. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, my my thought was he'll have a chance to get match fit. That's specifically what I have here in my notes. My initial thought was he'll have a chance to get match fit and could step in for Holgate, seeing as how he had a terrible performance. But I agree with you. Even if he does get match fit, and even though Mason had a terrible match, it's probably not smart to throw him in there. Arsenal away at the Emirates and, you know, start with a new partnership. So I, I, I agree with you there. Now, let me ask you this. Let's say, uh, <clears throat> let's say Schneiderlin jets off to back to France or, you know, he decides, look, um, Marco, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm really not feeling it. Like I don't feel confident in, you know, going out this weekend. Who would your midfield three be? And, you know, who would be playing what role? Oh, that's a good question. I think I would really like to see Bernard get a full match. I think he looked very clever today. And I think if he plays up high and maybe Sigurdsson in a almost playing the role that Ghana was asked to right. play today box to box. and linking. Yeah, exactly. More of a box to box. I know that's not where he likes to play, but certainly Bernard lacks the f- stature, physical presence to really do a whole lot defensively. And so I think Sigurdsson, it makes more sense to have Sigurdsson drop deeper and leave Bernard up front to link up with the front four and then uh, leave Gay deep playing that true defensive midfielder role. What about you? What's your starting midfield? I think it's going to be the same thing pretty much. That was the only thing I was going to add was when you bring in, when you bring in Bernard for Schneiderlin, um, you play him at attacking midfield further up and let Schneider, I mean, excuse me, Sigurdsson play box to box, um, which is pretty, that's, that's what we saw for 45 minutes today. Um, and it worked. I mean, Sigurdsson has has the athleticism, the work rate to make it happen. Um, he's also uh, good enough going forward and defensively to play it as well. Um, it's just, you know, he's just so, so positive going forward. It hurts a little bit, you know, to have him playing box to box because he can't always be in those positions to make, you know, the killer the killer pass to unlock the defense when the ball turns over or, or that sort of thing. But right. yeah, you're, you're spot on. You play Bernard further forward and, and Schneid, I mean, excuse me, I keep doing that Sigurdsson box to box and that's our best bet, I think. And honestly, that could be our best bet. Even if Schneiderlin is, is, is okay. And, and Marco just takes the liberty of, of doing that. I do think we may go with a more defensive. I may, we may see Davies back. Uh, in the side because if we play too offensive, I mean we're at the Emirates. <laughs> we're gonna get absolutely that's you know, fair destroyed on the counter. 
Um, I'm sure Arsenal will come out and try to control possession as well. So it'll be interesting to see because since, like you said, this is our first real test, how we come out and play away if we're going to sit back or if we're going to try to take the game to them, get them out of their rhythm, uh, and maybe put a put an early one past uh, past them and, and take an early lead. Yeah, I mean that's that would be the ideal scenario. And as it's been over the last couple seasons, um, you know, if, if we're talking about a real test and playing away at one of the quote unquote top six, Arsenal is is the team to do it against because they're always just so inconsistent. They never feel like they have a real identity. And so with that being said, it's, you know, generally speaking, going to be our best bet. Um, We'll see how it works. I don't feel too optimistic about it. I want to, but I don't. Um, You know, it's, it's just, again, Everton needed to capitalize on these first five games. They didn't at all. And so it's just going to be, you know, how quickly can you, can a, you get uh, players fit and back from suspension. And then how quickly can you, can you find the best starting 11, figure out how the midfield's going to work together and get Jenk Tosin in form. Yeah, I totally agree. Again, early days and all this, you know, pessimism is kind of within a more immediate context where we've come out and not been as good as I'd hoped, but at the same time, relative to the project that is going on, there's very encouraging signs. Uh, our attacking looks strong, and I think with Richarlison back in the side, we are a different team. Um, and I hope to see that team that we saw the first couple matches with him in the side next week at Arsenal, uh, causing them problems and... I would love to see us win at Arsenal and kind of just if, and if we win at Arsenal, the whole narrative changes and it's, and we're on, you know, kicking on and we're going to the rest of the season on the right foot. Um, so I'm really, I'm not optimistic, but my fingers are crossed. And like you said, it's the hope that kills you. Right. I agree with that. That's spot on. Hopefully, hopefully we can get a nice confidence booster. Um, if anything, Richarlison will be coming back and he'll be very confident. Um, so let's hope he can kind of, uh, um, lace up his boots and, and kind of force everyone else to follow suit because, you know, if you've played a team sport in general, um, you know, that if you see your teammate working hard or or really hammering it out, whether, you know, that's, that's, um, you know, whether I, whether you're talking about playing a sport with a ball or not then it kind of pushes you to do the same thing, right? Like you don't, you don't want to leave your teammate hanging. And so hopefully Richarlison kind of has the same effect. I think he'll bring like a nice fresh mindset and and confidence boost to the team. Um, And I I think, I think they'll put up a fight. It's just, you know, how long can they keep it going and, and keep their heads level regardless of what happens during the match? Um, You know, if we go down or if we go down early or, or in general, you know, can you, can you pull yourself together and make it work? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it'll be a test. Our first real test fingers crossed. Hopefully we can field 
a relatively fit side and Arsenal, obviously also a team kind of in a transition right now. And I'm hoping we can take advantage of that. Yeah. Well, James, I really appreciate having you on. Do you have any uh, thoughts to wrap it up? Uh, no, I think I said everything I need to say. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone you know likes listening to this. Uh, and up the blues. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Um, as always, this is on iTunes, Google Play Music, um, Spotify. Uh, there's an RSS feed. So I generally speaking will post it to the Everton subreddit. If you if you found the podcast via one of those mediums and you're not on Reddit, make a Reddit account and join the Everton subreddit. We've got a little over 12,000 um, blues on you know the subreddit. And it's a great place to kind of interact with everyone. And that way, you know, we have match threads, post-match threads where we talk during and after matches. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice way to interact with the community in general. Um, you find the most recent news that way as well. And, you know, James is the first person that I've had on actually from the subreddit. He hit me up. Um, you know, I, I've got quite a few people hitting me up about getting on the podcast as a guest he helped me figure out, you know, how I can how I can record with someone remotely, and so I'm really excited to do that um, with James again in the future, but also with some other uh, fellow blues on the subreddit. So, you know, please, you know, if you're already on the subreddit, continue to interact with me. You know, comment, tell us what you what you agreed with, what you don't agree with. Um, ask me questions so that I can include it on the next episode and answer your questions there. Um, because my main, um, reason for recording week in and week out is to interact with all of you. Um, so again, I really appreciate it. James, thanks so much for, um, coming on the show today and until next time, see y'all later.